Hello, 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 everybody. I am Patrick Green, the host of the Red Sox Unfiltered Podcast, and I'm absolutely thrilled to be back here with you guys. Uh, We've had a temporary hiatus from the podcast realm. Uh, We've experienced some technical difficulties um, with actual equipment. We hope we have worked those out, but there's still some potential issues with Wi-Fi on here. So if someone has to repeat a question that may happen, don't be alarmed. It is merely the Wi-Fi not being great. But we will have a wonderful show for you guys, nevertheless, and, I, and I'm just super excited to be back here talking Red Sox, talking baseball. Um, as always, I am joined by two of the best writers and co-hosts around. Uh, Dave, say hi to everybody. Hello, everybody. I'm glad to be back. Yes, Dave is in the building, and also we have uh, Jordan here. Jordan, say hi to the people. Uh, people, it's, uh, like, like David, it's good to be back. It's been a while. <laughs> it has been a while. I think our last episode was June 3rd, and that's like over two weeks. So we've had an absence from the podcast game. But yeah, we're super stoked to be back. I think I everyone agreed on that. But yeah, we got a really good, good episode for you guys. Um, a lot of very captivating topics, which you will discover what those are shortly. Um, but we also had a very big series to talk about that occurred over the weekend. Um, the Seattle Mariners and the Boston Red Sox played each other, and they actually split the four-game series 2-2. Uh, the Red Sox won the first and the last game of the series. The Red Sox actually outscored the Mariners in that series 17-12, to despite, you know, splitting it down the middle. And they had their really big win on Sunday. That was huge. The three home runs, the home run barrage, Raphael Devers, Xander Bogarts, Jackie Bradley Jr. There may have been another one. I don't think there was, but, man, they were hitting baseballs, and they were hitting them hard. But can we just, can we talk about, how many one-run games there were in this series. There were three one-run contests, and that's like the staple for the Seattle Mariners. The Mariners are one-run game team. They are 23-10 in in one-run games this season. That is mind-blowing. If you don't understand the context of how rare that is, here's a stat for you. So there are only two other teams in the entire American League who have played in 23 total one-run games. The Tigers, who have played in 23, and the Tampa Bay Rays, who have played in 28. The Mariners have played in a total of 33 one-run games, three of which came against the Red Sox. So, uh, Dave, I'm going to start with you here. Um, so I want to know what your thoughts were on the series. What, did you, what stood out to you about this Red Sox-Mariners series? So the big thing that stood out to me, and I think the biggest takeaway from the whole thing, is what happened in Game 3 against Wade LeBlanc, of all people. Uh, the Red Sox have struggled with le- against lefties all year, and, I mean, we're normally not as bad as we were against LeBlanc, who is, my God, it was ugly. Um, just It's been an issue the whole year, and if a guy like LeBlanc's able to completely shut down the lineup when I think we had just about everyone in. I want to say Moreland sat that game, but Moreland against lefties anyway. He wouldn't help the problem there. So that that's what stuck out to me, just really showing how much we need to improve against lefties. Yeah, and I think you actually wrote an article about that. That We will get to that later. It's about the trade candidates. But yeah, the Red Sox uh, have not done very well against lefties. And it was actually surprising because last season, I don't know if you guys know this, but they struggled really badly against righties. I mean, relative to last year, they struggled against everybody. But yeah, they were more, they were a lot worse against righties than lefties. But this year, it's been 
the opposite. Uh, Jordan, what have you thought about this series, and, and what has stood out for you of this Mariners-Red Sox series? You know what? Uh, when you, when you um, said that stat about the Mariners' like uh, record in one-run games, it's my, I mean, it makes me think of... Uh, um, I mean, obviously, obviously, we need to get better at at left at left-handed pitching uh, because I mean, you don't want Wade LeBron to uh, completely shut you down. Um, and then it just reminds me. I mean, it, it makes me think that like how good um, the Mariners' bullpen is. I mean, you, I mean, you saw the we saw Diaz completely shut down the. Uh, uh, oh yeah, you know the lineup. Um, I think it was in the in the bottom of the ninth, and then he had out, you know the addition of Alex Colomay just bolsters that bullpen. So I mean, yes, we need to get we need to get better at a at left-handed pitching, but simply like we need to score more runs on the Mariners, like specifically. Yeah, and and I think that that was a really interesting point that you brought up. Like they just got Alex Colomay. Their bullpen was good without Alex Colomay. Edwin Diaz is a beast, and they were really good at one-run games before Alex Colomay. But now they have Alex Colomay, so presumably. I don't know. There's a lot of luck here with their one-run win barrage, but at the same time, like, yeah, they have the bullpen where it's a lot more sustainable than it was at, like, a a neutral bullpen team. Um, So Friday night's game, which Rick Purcello pitched in, uh, that that one should have been Boston's game. I don't know if you guys watched it. They had the 6-4 to lead. Bogarts had hit a three-run home run. They capitalized on some really bad defensive mistakes by the Mariners, but the bullpen failed us. Matt Barnes failed us. Heath Hembry failed us. They allowed three earned runs, and the Red Sox got the loss. And then Saturday was just a complete power outage. Stephen Wright pitched beautifully, seven innings, uh, one earned run, but the Red Sox could not muster anything. Um, But, yeah, the the thing that also stood out to me was, like Jordan said, these one-run games, like these were flip-of-the-coin games, and it could have gone either way, and the Red Sox won one, and the Mariners won two. And, I mean, the series it ended up being a split, so it wasn't a big deal. But there was a lot of random variance involved. I think that the Red Sox were, or the Mariners were fortunate to pick up two against the Red Sox. Um, small sample size, but, yeah, Mariners are a pretty good baseball team. And it was it was good to see the Red Sox split against them. And it'll get, after the Twins, it's going to get pretty tough. So we'll, we'll see how they do going forward. Um, Red Sox, awesome team. Not really concerned, but it was a fun series to watch, definitely. So there's another thing that really was encouraging to me was the guys who have been underperforming at the bottom of the lineup, and but they but they have the capability to be better. Jackie Bradley Jr. and Raphael Devers, uh, they had big home runs in the series, both coming on Sunday, and they, and they had big series overall. Devers collected six hits in the series, while JBJ collected three. Two of those were extra base hits, and he had two walks as well. Jordan... Jordan, so what can we expect, or can we expect that kind of production from Jackie Bradley Jr. and Raphael Devers going forward? Um, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with Raphael Devers first. Um, I mean, there's been a lot of talk with you know Raphael Devers underperforming. Um, uh, you know, well he's been he's been something offensively, and then you know a little bit defensively. But I mean, the kid, I think 21. I mean. The only way he's going to get better is if he kind of has these slumps, these peaks and valleys, you know, and, and learns and learns the nature of the game, which is, you know, he's not always going to find success all the time. So, you know, these these uh, stories that we should, you know, trade Devers, which are, which is just, you know, 
blasphemous. Um, I mean, for Devers, I, I think we just need to like understand his potential. And as he gets older, he's only going to get better. And then with uh, Jackie Bradley Jr., I think, um, you know, honestly, right now he's he's had a big series. Um, I forget. I don't know what his average has jumped up to, but uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm still on the uh, on the trend that we still need to like see a little bit more consistency because, yeah, like he's good for um, you know, he, like he can get on a hot streak like he's going on now. But I mean, it's just more consistency, no matter what, with uh, JBJ. Yeah, for sure. He's he is one of the most uh, per, uh, renowned streaky hitters in the league. But yeah, I agree with everything you said. Uh, Dave, what do you think? Well, I'm going to start with Raphael Devers because I've been, if anyone who listens to this podcast knows, I've been Raphael Devers' biggest supporter ever since he came up into the majors. When he was going through that slump, I said, you know, guys, just wait it out. He's 21. These things, these things happen. You're not going to get Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth every day from day one. It's turning it around, and the transformation's here to stay. It's as simple as that. Um, if you look, I actually wrote an article on it not all that long ago. Um, I believe Devers has now hit safely in 13 of 14 games. Don't quote me on that. It's somewhere around there. The only game he didn't was the Wade LeBlanc game when everyone was awful. But um, Devers, um, he's really changed not so much his approach at the plate, but he's seen the ball a lot better. A guy like Devers thrives when he's hitting the ball in the air, getting fly balls, because he has the power to send it 500 feet, and he's not that fast, so he's not going to win too many uh, infield singles. So if you look at his stats before um, June 5th, which was when his, which is when he was slumping a lot, he was hitting only 35 or so percent of balls in the air, only that many fly balls. That number, since um, I haven't checked it through... Uh, Seattle series, but as of uh, when I posted the article, which I believe was Sunday, um, Devers is hitting 45% of his hits for fly balls, which is obviously a good thing. It plays to who he is better, and it shows that he's seeing the ball better. The game's starting to slow down for him. Moving forward, he still needs to work on uh, those outside, uh, swinging outside the zone. He hasn't really changed that. Once he does that, though, he's going to become one of the great hitters in the game, and if Dombrowski trades him to Baltimore, uh, fire him. I'm an Orioles fan now. Um, <laughs> yeah. As for Jackie Bradley, um, I feel like he's sort of, he, he is who he is. He's going to get these hot streaks, but the cold one is just around the corner, and I don't think this is necessarily a true hot streak. This is just more a guy hitting okay as opposed to hitting terribly like he has most of the year. Pat, you wrote an article about it pretty recently on that Jackie Bradley's been the victim of a lot of batted ball luck. But even if you kind of stabilize that, he's still having a subpar year. He'd still be having a subpar year hitting the ball. In my perfect world, I think Jackie Bradley would be a good platoon player against right-handed pitching and a great defensive substitute late in games. And you just get another guy to start versus uh, versus lefties. But that being said, we don't have a guy like that right now. So right, unless we make a trade, ride or die with Jackie. 
Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Um, in terms of Jackie Brother Jr., I, I did write an article about it, and I agree. Yeah, he would not be having a great offensive year, even if like his BABIP started to come up a little bit, started to regress to the mean. But his expected WOBA, based on how he's actually been hitting the ball, exit velocity, launch angle, uh, factors in his strikeout-to-walk rate, he should be like a league average hitter, slightly below league average, which you know is, is underwhelming. But for Jackie Bradley Jr., who's a guy who's very reliant on his defense of acumen to make him a good big league player or sort of like a serviceable big league player uh, I think he can go by with a below average batting line and I don't think we'll ever see an above average Jackie Bradley Jr. hitter maybe for like a quick stretch there but I don't think that's who he is he's too inconsistent he's too streaky but I do think that in there we have a valuable player maybe a two to three win player if the batted ball luck were to go his way in terms of Raphael Devers I know you were super excited about that and you know I'm like I'm like my infatuation with JBJ is like the equivalent of Dave's with Raphael Devers but Raphael Devers, um, he's definitely making improvements, and we will definitely talk about the Manny Machado, Raphael Devers trade rumors that have been going rampant across various Red Sox sites and social media. So we're, we're going to talk about that, don't worry, and you guys can voice your respective frustrations there. But uh, yeah, I agree, Devers has a lot of untapped potential to this point. It was a very encouraging series. I mean, ever since he had that conversation with J.D. Martinez, I think that was like a week ago, about his swing, it has definitely looked improved improved but yeah there's still some mental lapses I mean not at the plate uh so to speak but defensively he had a kind of a rough series I don't know if you guys saw that he made a, he botched a few balls but I think overall Raphael Devers is going to be a very good player and Jackie Bradley Jr. I think he can be a better player and if these two guys start to hit like they should because they've both underperformed respectively they both have more talent than they what they've showed then if they start to hit a little bit better then like this this depth problem like this bottom of the lineup can't hit kind of narrative that's going around will be completely abolished because they those two guys can hit uh catcher position and Brock Holt at Barra Nunez is another story although Brock Holt's doing very well so with that we're also going to talk about another guy who had a pretty pretty big series I don't know if you guys saw this but uh Xander Bogarts have you heard of Xander Bogarts well he he was amazing he uh he hit three home runs in the series he had five hits and I want to ask you guys like Bogarts is having a wonderful series uh one not series he had a wonderful series but he's also having an excellent season he's been worth like 2.2 war he's got a 279 average he's got a 339 on base percentage and he's slugging 518 that's good for a 130 WRC plus meaning basically he's been creating runs 30 percent above average especially for a shortstop that is incredible so I want to know, uh, Dave, Dave, what do you think about where Xander Bogarts places among other shortstops? Is he a top five shortstop to you? Top five shortstop? Well, he's definitely in the conversation. Um, obviously, you got to put Lindor and Correa up there. If you're counting Manny Machado as a shortstop yeah. instead of a third baseman, he's played mostly short this year. So he, let's put him above Bogarts. He's not quite... Bogarts isn't quite Machado good, but he's still really, really good. I don't want anyone to take that as me insulting Bogarts. It's just, you know, Machado's a beast. Um, Didi Gregorius is obviously in the conversation, but I think Bogarts is better than him. I think Didi, Didi's a good player, but I think to an extent he's a product of the field he plays in. If you look at his home stats versus his away stats, they're like noticeably different. 
I think he definitely benefits from that team right field court uh, in there. So Bogarts has to be, yeah, the only ones that I can say are just clearly better than him, and I'm probably forgetting someone in the National League. I don't follow the National League, but yeah, the only ones I can say are certainly better are Lindor, and Machado. So oh. I could make an argument for Bogarts at four, and I'd be good with it. Yeah, I think you definitely can make an argument that he's number four. I kind of sprung that on you guys about this top five list, but I think it's an interesting conversation. I've, I've heard other people have, is Bogarts a top five shortstop? Um, so I, the only person I have in head of bogey on my top five list, I put him number five. I had Lindor one, Machado two, Correa three, and then I had Andarlton Simmons four. He's a better defender than bogey and he's actually hitting better this season. He's been like, is he's like his offense has come out of nowhere and it's, and it's been nice to see cause you put that package together. It's scary. And Simmons has been scary. Um, if Corey Seager was healthy in a perfect world, he would be in this conversation, but He's not, so yeah, I put Bogart's top five, but he's actually seventh among qualified shortstops in F-War and eighth in WRC+. Basically, shortstops are having like an amazing season. Like They had an 88 WRC plus combined last year. It's all the way up to 100 this year. That is like insane, and the fact that people aren't talking about that um, for like historical context with shortstop hitting is pretty egregious. I, I might get on that, so that's a topic I might brush up upon. Um, Jordan, what, do, what would you say that Xander Bogarts is a top five shortstop right now? I mean, yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, I I did some research for uh, for this podcast, and I looked up um, like the top five MLB shortstops going into the season, and Carlos Correa was ranked number one. And quite frankly, right now, uh, Xander Bogarts is has a better uh, Woba than he does, and is only trailing um, Korea by four points and one uh, weighted runs created plus. Um, he also strikes out less than uh, Bogarts right now, and then he. Uh, and so, uh, I mean, right now he's he's playing almost as as good, if not better, than the number one ranked shortstop going into the season. Now, obviously, that's changed, but um, I mean, I put him. I'd put him number four or number three uh, in my in my list. Like currently, um, uh, Pat, you said that if if uh, Corey Seager was playing, um, I mean he'd be he'd be. Oh, it's, it's hard to like it's hard to rank him right now because he's not playing. But like he'd be he'd be up there, uh, and then you have like and then you have Lindor. But uh, I mean between Xander Bogarts and and Carlos Correa, like he's. He's up there, man. He's he's playing up. He's playing better up to speed as a uh, Korea. Oh, so, for sure. He's definitely he'd be, he'd be in my top five. Yeah, definitely, Jordan. Um, on on the note of Corey Seager, um, Dave and I did our MLB prediction series for Red Sox Unfiltered this year, and my NL MVP pick was Corey Seager. Not feeling great about that right now, but I just wanted to let you guys know that I failed. Um, but yeah, now we're actually going to get back on track. I, I agree. I think we totally don't have a Red Sox bias, but Bogarts, I think, is definitely a top five shortstop close to it in the conversation. But um, th- this next topic is early, but 
uh, you know, we like fun topics on the show, so why not get ahead and talk about the potential trade deadline targets? Uh, Dave posted a really well-done piece on the site about some position players the Sox may be interested in. I think you were looking for a right-hander, right-handed hitter to hit lefty pitching. You were not very... Uh, I don't know if you had like a specific position you were looking at, maybe outfield, first base, but you got Jed Lowry in there. Um, but you said, I think you said in your post that Jed Lowry was your guy. Like that, that would be your number one, Dave, to uh, take if if you were going to be Dave Dombrowski for a day and trade someone at this deadline. Uh, Dave, why should the Red Sox be interested in a reunion with Jed Lowry? All right. So as you um, said, Pat, when I first started like writing that article was. Um I knew just I knew that we had such horrible struggles against lefties, and this was in week of the Wade LeBlanc game. And I just looked up our numbers against lefties, and we were horrible. So I was as bad as I thought it was. So I set out looking for right right-handed guys or switch hitting guys that could come off the bench and contribute as starters against lefties because righties were a pretty pretty good offense, but lefties really do slow us down. And when I got to thinking about it, I thought, okay, you could obviously could use another outfielder. You can never have enough of those because Blake Swihart really isn't doing it as our fourth outfielder. Um, you could use another first baseman because Moreland historically struggles against lefties. True. My mind wasn't really on second base until I really did a bit more research, and I saw, you know, Jed Lowry, how he's been raking this year. Then I got to thinking about it, and Pedroia, nobody knows when he's coming back, and even when he does, he shouldn't play every single game he possibly can. He's definitely a guy that should be rested. So you need to find somebody, in my mind, to be able to competently start when Pedroia either can't be in the lineup, either to rest him or So that's what started it off. Brock Holt's a lefty who does fine okay, I guess, against lefties, but he wears down as seasons go on historically. If you look at his splits from uh, first half of the year to the second half of the year, he always... Uh, wears himself down, so you really an everyday player in my mind. And Nunez is just having a rough year. Lowry, on the other hand, is having a really great year. He has a 119 WRC plus against lefties, and he's just as good against righties. He's definitely capable of being a really good starter. And I think if we brought him aboard, he'd be a great platoon with Pedroia when he gets back. And back, I think he'd be more than capable of being the everyday second baseman. I concur. I think Jed Lowry would be a wonderful addition. Um, so, Dave, along those lines, do you, do you think that the Red Sox getting a position player bat, maybe second base, maybe outfielder, maybe first base, is that their paramount uh, priority in this trade deadline, this looming trade deadline? Is that what you would prioritize? Um, yeah, either that or a bullpen arm. I think um, our bullpen struggles have been a little overrated. I think we have a good bullpen, not elite by any means, but... I think we have a solid unit, but you can always use more bullpen arms. But if you're going for biggest need, I think it's got to be um, someone to hit left, somebody to hit lefties. Either, you know, Jed Larry, Jed Larry. I think uh, Justin Smolak over in uh, so I think he'd be a great at platoon first base with Moreland. If you look at his numbers against lefties, he's one of the best in the league. I think he has something like a 150 WRC plus. So he could start every he could start every game against the lefty. Moreland can start every game against the righty, and I mean it's basically the plan we had entering the year, except Smolak instead of Hamlin. So I think he'd be another great fit. Uh, there's options out there, and I think the Sox definitely should look into acquiring one of them. 
Uh, Lowry specifically wouldn't cost that much to acquire, I wouldn't think. The A's aren't contending this year, and it's the last year of his deal, so he's only a rental player, so it wouldn't be an issue getting him over. Smolak might be a bit more of a problem just due to financial reasons, and we're already pretty pressed up against the luxury tax number, but we could make it work if we had to. And uh, those are the two guys I'm biggest on. There's a few other outfielders that I think would be nice, but the two I'd really want to get is Lowry and uh, Smolak. Yeah, I think those would definitely be two options. I'd be interested in Lowry. I'd be interested in Smoke. But um, I I also would like to point out that uh, Hanley Ramirez uh, is still available. Um, I don't know if anyone would be interested in that, but Hanram is not signed yet. So, you know, Hanley Ramirez, what about that? Not going to happen. Just wanted to I mean, be a it jerk. Would, it would be great if it did, but no way. No way no it way. would happen. Bad PR would not happen. I just wanted to be a jerk. I'm sorry. Yeah, but, just, just like that would be so awkward. <laughs> that would be so awkward, man. Like, and also, it would just be like... It would, yeah, it would I, be I tremendous almost. It would. Yeah, it's like... And why would Hanley come back that we're paying? paying him the same to either do nothing or come back yeah i know we're paying him still that's the thing we wouldn't be adding any money to it I, i'm not advocating that the red sox re-sign Hanley ramirez that just probably wouldn't work considering what happened but hey he would cost less than lowry and smoke but yeah so um i'm now i'm going to get back to being serious here that was a momentary lapse in in being serious but um i get your 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 argument that the Red Sox need a left-handed bat, I think they do. But if I had to prioritize a position, I'm either going bullpen, as you said, I agree there. But I, and we've talked about this like outside of this. But I really do think we need a catcher. I think you need to upgrade Christian Vasquez, Sandy Leone, both really horrible hitters. Vasquez's defense has taken a really bad hit. He's not even a valuable defensive. Uh, commodity anymore. Blake Swihart, I think he started one game for Jalen Beeks, hasn't started since, and he didn't look great there. I mean, he didn't look awful. Jalen Beeks did not look very good, but yeah, um, I think that you, when you're upgrading at something so, like, as bad as the catcher position production has been for the Red Sox, even if you get an average player, you're going to upgrade a lot more than if you're upgrading like Jed La- Rock Holt from Jed Lowry. I think the gap between Holt and Lowry talent level is a lot closer than it would be from like a Wilson Ramos, who's a two-win player, and then Christian Vasquez, who's a negative point whatever player. I think you definitely could upgrade the catcher position, um, and it would be a lot more significant in terms of being valuable for the team. Even uh, in the bullpen, I think uh, you know you have guys. I, I think that don't don't get me wrong. I think the Red Sox need a reliable seventh inning guy or just a guy who's decent in the later innings because I'm not sure how much I trust like this is arbitrary and but I don't know how much I trust Matt Barnes or um, Heath Henry to take over those big spots they didn't do very well this weekend but you know they're still pretty good relievers and the Red Sox are pretty deep in the bullpen and I've, I've touched on that too so I think for me the most salient of concerns for the Red Sox catcher need a backstop Jordan Jordan, my friend, what would you do if you were Dave Dombrowski? What are you going to prioritize at the trade deadline? You know what? I was uh, I was thinking about it before the show, and um, I mean, I kind of I kind of took a bull. I'm, I'm going to prior- prioritize the bullpen because you know, granted that 
we need to do better against the lefties, but you know, the games really won. We need, we need to win games at the, in the late innings. And, you know, when Matt Barnes is in, it's, you know, you're kind of like holding your breath to see if he can, uh, get through the inning. Um, so, I mean, I, I looked at a couple of guys, uh, I'm going back to the A's here. I'm looking at, uh, I think his name is Blake Trahan, the, the closer for the, uh, for the, oh, yeah. for Oakland. Um, I don't know how possible it is because he's young and, he, and he's on a cheap deal, but, um, I mean, he was player of the month back in May. I think yeah, he he ended May with like a point fifty nine uh, ERA, and and he held like his opposition to a point one eighty four WOBA. So, I mean, I would I would go down to you know try to pick up Blake Trahan. I don't know what concoction of a trade uh, Dembrowski could uh could uh, make, but um you know get Blake Trahan or there's a uh, Alex Presley of the Minnesota Twins who are going to play uh, next. Um, I mean, I, I mean, I really think that, you know, Presley, he's on a cheap deal as well. He has like a high strikeout rate. Uh, I think what really gets, gets, uh, gets Presley like when he's bad is the, uh, is the walks. So, I mean, of course you like, you don't, you don't want to get someone who walks a lot of players, but, um, I mean, I really, th- I really think like we need to tweak, uh, Matt Barnes's spot. Uh, so I'd like to see like Presley, Trahan, or like another another arm in in that uh, late in late inning situation. Yeah, if if the Red Sox could get Blake Trahan, oh my gosh, that would be awesome. Dude is a beast. I'm not sure how realistic it is either because I mean the Athletics probably will not compete. Actually, they won't compete. I'll just say that right now. Um, which is also why they they would be willing to give up Jed Lowry. But Trahan, as you said, is on a cheap long-term deal and he seems to be a very steady closer for them but I, I also think the A's could get King's ransom for Trahan right now and Billy Bean likes to move so we'll, we'll see what he does he's very volatile I don't know what he's thinking but um yeah or like a guy like Brad Hand on the Padres who's presumably available or Rassio Iglesias or Alex Colome oh wait no he went to the Mariners so there are options out there but we'll see what they ultimately do I think the bullpen definitely is a need um so now that we're on the subject of potential, because because we're, we're we're like we're wannabe GMs, we 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 like to imagine and and see how we can tweak this roster to the best of its abilities. It's fun. It's a good time. So there has been one very imaginative rumor going on, and it was actually kind of started by Ken Rosenthal. Not really, but it was definitely perpetuated in one of his recent articles when discussing if Manny Machado would be a trade candidate uh, or which teams would be possible suitors for Manny Machado's services, and listed Ken Rosenthal had the Boston Red Sox. And Twitter, I mean, I think this has been going on for a while, this Devers for Machado mania. I feel like he was before Rosenthal's article. I think I've I heard it even in the winter, but yeah, it's starting to gain traction. People are starting to say, should the Red Sox trade five and a half years of Raphael Devers for a half season of Manny Machado in the hopes of uh, winning the World Series? Because if you're going to do that, you better win the World Series, and you better be quite sure of it, because Raphael Devers was the number one prospect in baseball like less than a year ago. Um, before I get into my opinion on this potential trade, David, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this to you. I'm going to let you talk about Rafael Devers for Manny Machado and what you think of this. Okay, anyone who wants to trade Devers for Machado is wrong and they should feel bad about it. <laughs> it's an absolutely horrible, no good, terrible, idiotic, horrendous 
thought that should die in your head the second it enters. There is no reason whatsoever to think that is a good idea, and there's no way to justify it. You're wrong if you think that it's a good idea. It's that simple. First off, yes, Machado right now is a better player than Rafael. However, you're looking Yeah, I agree with you, Manny. Of course, that one, he, he doesn't like the Red Sox. He's been pretty adamant about that. Two, he's looking. He's going to look for as much money as we can get. We have the payroll in baseball. We can't afford to match whatever price is going to be out there by probably the Yankees or whoever it is. So he's not coming back after this year. And three, Devers is one. Well, one, he's Raphael Devers. He's going to be one of the best players in baseball for the next fifteen years. And two, he's heating up. He's getting better. He's becoming. We talked. We talked about this earlier. He's becoming a better player. He's becoming a better hitter. He's only going to get better as it goes on. Yes, Manny Machado would make this team marginally better, but Manny Machado or Rafael Devers is not the difference between a World Series and not. So don't trade Rafael Devers away. You're giving that be the most short-sighted, narrow-minded. Uh, it's just such a stupid idea. <laughs> just don't do it. No, no. Yeah, I. I- I think you covered everything that I was going to say, so I'm, I'm not going to comment. I agree with Dave. Dave said it very beautifully. He used a lot of uh, nice adjectives to describe that idea, and, and I think they were warranted. Jordan, Jordan, what are you thinking about potentially this deal actually coming to fruition? Would you be uh, in favor of it? Oh, no. I mean, I'm with, I mean in a few words, because... Uh, because David did a lovely job uh, describing it. Um, but, yeah, uh, I mean, Devers for, for Machado would be would be dumb. Um, I mean, yes, you get, like, a superstar caliber glove and a bat for, what, like, half the season. Um, but then you have Devers, who has, who has like, much more potential. And, um, I mean, honestly, he just needs to get rest behind, um, at the dish to... To, uh, to become the hitter that, that we all think he's going to be. So uh, to to put it like short but sweet, yeah, I, Machado's like Machado doesn't like it here. Like, and then we can't, we won't be able to afford him um, next next off season. And then and then we just lost. You now, like you said, our our number one draft pick, what a year ago? Yeah, he was our number one prospect a year ago. Yes, less than a year ago, actually. Yeah. yeah so hey, so yeah. yeah. Just to, Sorry, Jordan. Do you have more? Um, oh, no, no. Oh, no. I was finished. Go ahead, Dave. Okay. So, and j- just to add to it, the whole idea kind of reminds me to, like, in a similar extent to a few years ago when the Sox, who were horrible in 2014, traded Andrew Miller for Eduardo Rodriguez to the Orioles. And the Orioles basically acknowledged, yeah, they're giving up a great player, but this guy's going to bring us to the World Series. And then they lost in the first round. Looking back on it, them trade them trading Eddie for and for half a year of Andrew Miller was a really, really dumb thing to do because after that Miller went to Miller went to the Yankees. And I think that's gonna be exactly what happens again if you trade for Machado. You're giving up a great player for a half year rental of a guy who, while he does help the team in the short term, ultimately makes it worse in the long term. So don't do this. You have one of the most talented young players in baseball. Don't give him away for a half a season. 
Yeah, and then uh, if we follow the Miller-Eduardo-Rodriguez course, then Manny Machado will play a half year in Boston, and then he'll become a New York Yankee for a really nice, fresh deal. And nobody wants that. It's a half season. It's not worth compromising. Five and a half years of a very talented guy. And I'm not sure that Rafael Devers will ever be Manny Machado-level uh, MLB caliber player, but I feel like Devers is going to be even a really good player. Even if he's just average, you don't want to compromise five and a half years of that for a half season. Even if, literally, if Devers is average if he's just okay which he can be and i think his potential is even higher than that then he would be he would be worth it over the course of that five and a half years more than one half season of or actually just a half season of machado so that's going to end that diatribe i feel like that needed to happen for both of us or all of us i think we all let out some much needed steam in that regard so good for us Manny Machado, stay away from Boston until next offseason. Actually, we have no room for you either. Stay away from Boston in general. So <laughs> so we're actually going to talk about a guy named Stephen Wright, who we touched on briefly uh, when talking about his Saturday performance against Seattle. But uh, he pitched uh, on Saturday seven innings of one earned run ball. Since our last podcast, which I'll reiterate, was like June 3rd, which was decades ago, uh, man... Oh man, he has allowed just one earned run in three starts, which is equates to 20 and two-thirds innings. At the very least, there is no way Boston can push him from the rotation when Pomerantz comes back. Ken Day, Dave, do you think that the Red Sox are going to put Pomerantz back in the rotation? It's, it's ludicrous, but do you think that there's a chance Wright doesn't end up in the rotation? There's no way, absolutely not. Wright's been too too good. He's finally healthy for the first time in over two years, and I'll be the first to admit here, I'm going to you know, fully admit I was wrong. I didn't know that Stephen Wright could ever be healthy again. I thought that his uh, 2016 All-Star run was something of a mirage, and just the knuckleball in general isn't a pitch you can rely on, but ever since he came back, he's been lights out in the bullpen. He's been even more lights out as a starter, you know? You oh, know, yeah. I'm sold. Stephen Wright's the Stephen Wright's the guy, you know, obviously Chris Sale's the ace, but I think you can make a really strong argument that Stephen Wright's the second or third best pitcher on this roster. You can't take that out of the rotation, and honestly, if the playoffs started today, he'd probably be one of the four guys you sent out there. Oh, no, uh, I was going to say no question to that, but the Red Sox have a lot of like they have a lot of number two guys I feel which we're going to talk about who the second best pitcher on the Red Sox rotation is is soon um that'll be our next topic but I'll, I'll, I'll table that for now um Stephen Wright uh it's, it's been wonderful and, I, and I'm I, I was in the camp with you Dave I didn't think he would ever revert to the 2016 version we saw and I know it's three starts which is a somewhat small of a sample but even in the bullpen he was phenomenal um he's pitching to contact and the contact that's being made against him is extremely weak which for a knuckleball pitcher is what you're trying to do he's he's been incredible i I remember i actually i i will admit i was wrong i had a twitter argument with peter abraham of the boston globe uh through the red sox unfiltered account about who was better this is going into this is like spring training who was better for the red sox hector velasquez or stephen wright and I was bringing up projections, and I was like, look, there's no way Hector Velasquez is, like, not the better option here. Man, I was wrong. I mean, Hector Velasquez has pitched well for himself in his own right, and Pete Abraham kind of crapped on him a little bit. But you know what? Stephen Wright, 
has been considerably better. He's been amazing. Pete Abraham, I owe you an apology. You were right. You're smarter than me, which is not surprising. But um, Jordan, Jordan, what do you think about Stephen Wright? You know, he's been a, uh, I've, you know, off the top of my off the top of my head, I'd say he's been a godsend since we, um, you know, since since he's taken since he's gotten into the rotation. But you know, what's really what's really um, I guess what I marveled uh, in his last start, which you know, which was disappointing, um, that the, that the Red Sox had to take a take a loss. Big L. But I mean, if you look at the rotation, um, I mean, he he goes after uh, he follows up uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, which you know he mixes his pitches up. But I, I mean, I'm I'm probably I'm probably going to say something really really obvious, but. I mean, all like the first four guys in our rotation, like all all put spin on the ball, and then you have Stephen Wright, who you know for the most part puts no spin on the ball, and and you know obviously that messes up hitters, and then he, I mean, and then he pairs it with his uh, with his secondary pitches, so you know, and that, like it's stressful for for batters to um, to pick up uh, the knuckleball like after I mean after like you have you face like three. Three potentially four hitters, um, uh, pitchers, um, who throw spin. So it's you know, it just messes up. Uh, I mean, the batter's I guess concentration. Um, and then I, I had something else I was going to say, but I guess I lost it. So uh, I'll, I'll throw it back to you, Pat. Yeah. All right. That's fine. Um, yeah, I agree with you there too. I think we're all in unison that Stephen Wright is pretty dang good and he should stay in the rotation and there's like no argument that can be made that Pomerantz or as other people know him as Big Smooth should return to the rotation but I, I'm not going to lie to you guys I'm, I'm interested to see what Pomerantz has for us in the bullpen um, I think he's proven in the past he can be a useful bullpen piece I think he went in there in the 20 end of 2016 and into the 2016 playoffs and he looked pretty good so um maybe he'll assume more of a david price role even though i'm not comparing david price and drew pomeranz that would be ludicrous but maybe he can like perform as a very helpful bullpen piece especially from the left hand side so i would be excited to see him um in that bullpen role even though he has sucked this season and he only has two decent pitches anyway so yeah maybe he'll stuff will play up a little bit maybe we won't get like 88 mile per hour cheese right in the middle of the plate that i could no i couldn't hit it i'm not gonna say that but yeah most major league hitters can um so this is the topic that i have been most excited about and it was on twitter it was a poll that i posted and i was i was pretty proud of myself honestly not to toot my own horn but i was pretty proud of this poll so basically i asked this was in the midst of eduardo rodriguez's dominant start against the mariners where he struck out nine allowed just two earned runs and six innings of work i believe very quintessential eduardo rodriguez start but i asked the twitter people um, after Chris Sale, because Chris Sale is the number one pitcher for the Red Sox, um, who would you consider to be the Red Sox second best starting pitcher right now? Because I was thinking about it, I'm thinking Eduardo Rodriguez, David Price, Rick Porcello, and Stephen Wright. I mean, they're pretty equal in terms of performance this year. So I was curious to see what Twitter would have to say. Um, there are 84 votes, so that's a pretty good sample, one of our more uh, popular polls. Um, and the results were very surprising to me. I'm not going to lie to you guys. So we had 51% David Price, which that didn't surprise me. I expected him to reel in a lot of the votes. 8%. 8%. And I, I went on my other Twitter account and voted on this. So one of the, like the three or four votes for Rick Porcello was me. 
I was pretty shocked that Rick Porcello only managed to gardener 8% of the votes, and he's got the best FIP on the, in the rotation, fielding independent pitching. He's got the best control of the strike zone. He does not walk anybody, and he's been, I mean, now he's struggled a little bit more recently after a really great start, but man, I would take Rick Porcello number two, even though they're very equal. Um, Eduardo Rodriguez got 21% coming in second. He beat out Stephen Wright literally last second. I guess two or three people gave him some votes, pushed ahead. He was our number two. You get a silver medal, and Stephen Wright will get the bronze medal at 20%. So Dave, um, actually, no, no, I'm not going to go to you right now. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm actually going to see. I'm, Ouch. I'm sorry, Dave. I forgot I had another thing here. Um, so I wanted to read what some commenters said on the Twitter page um, after the results were in. So we had one guy say, uh, this is Dan Lazanisk. Don't know if I said his name right. He said, a little surprised the voters actually got this right in reference to David Price winning. Surprised but impressed. And then I got another guy who's at Supercharged43. The moment I pick Price, he will F up. I usually say never trust a knuckleballer. However, Wright has been dealing, so I'll take him. And then the last comment was, None of them ever rise in the big moment. That was a little uh, interesting comment. That was at T.A. Call Hockey. Um, Dave, now I'm going to go to you. I'm sorry for the delay. Uh, Dave, who, who would you take number two? Who's number two in your mind? So I voted in this one, too, and I voted with the masses. I chose David Price number two. I buy that one. I think the voters definitely got it right. Um, if you take out his... Um, five-game stretch where he had the hand injury, which I know Carlson was a weak reason, but it was clearly affecting him because if you look at his two starts before that and every start since, he's been near unhittable. He has an ERA in the mid, he has an ERA in the mid twos. His peripherals are not quite as good, but you know, still really, really good. He's one of the better number twos in the, he's one of the better number twos in the league. And frankly, we're lucky to have him. I know, a lot of fans don't think that, but a lot of fans are wrong. We are very lucky to have David Price on this team. Yeah, definitely. I mean, David Price was a really, like, I had, between him and, and Porcello, I don't think you, I mean, I don't think you can be wrong voting for any of these guys, but to me, Price and Porcello were uh, who I was going to be torn against, and ultimately, I went with Porcello. Jordan, what about you, my friend? Who who would you vote for, or who who would you pick? You know what? I, uh, I, I voted for Eduardo Rodriguez. Um, I'm uh, I know it's I know it was not with the masses, but what I've what I've seen so far this year is uh you know, despite the um the fact that he that he he struggles to go deep into games, I mean I I've seen like I've seen some pretty dominant pitching from him. Um his his change up, uh I think as I mentioned earlier, has been like one of his best out pitches that he has and then um and then I think I think he just pounds the strike zone. Um, so I mean he's been very he's been very useful. Um, and I, I like I would I would like to think that uh, obviously he keeps it up. But um, you know I think we can all agree that the one thing that he needs to do is uh, you know work on um, his efficiency uh, yeah, and hopefully deeper. go deeper into innings. Yeah, definitely. That that's been my one. Uh, bugaboo with Eduardo Rodriguez. I think, like, uh, look, Eduardo Rodriguez got the best strikeout stuff of any of these four pitchers. Uh, David Price is pretty close, but Erod's K per nine is like 
blows all three of these other guys out of the water. Um, the only thing I have against Rodriguez is he does not pitch deep into games. He actually has the best ERA outside of Stephen Wright, whose ERA is 123. I'm not going to include him in this conversation because that's ridiculous. But yeah, Eduardo Rodriguez, deeper in the games. If he, if he, if he literally starts, I don't think he's he has not gone into the seventh inning once, or maybe he's gone to seventh inning. He's never gotten past the seventh inning this entire 2018 season. Still, nevertheless, he has been incredible. So, Erod, keep up what you're doing. I don't care if you're going five, six innings. You're a beast. Um, but yeah, yeah. And um, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to just add on to that. Um, I agree with. Uh, I think the voters got it absolutely perfectly. Um, I, I definitely have Erod and Wright as three and four. Um, right now, Erod's my number three, but Wright can easily. He, Wright's been pitching better. I just need to see him do it for more than three starts before he gets the number three spot. And Porcello is my number five just because like he's insanely consistent in the sense that um, he'll always keep the te- he'll always keep the team in it, but he'll rarely give a dominant performance. Like I I can't remember uh, Porcello ever like really going no not since April anyway not going like eight innings of no no run ball striking out like 12 or anything like that um, yeah I, I think like Porcel needs to need not that he needs to be better because he's been great but just uh, I think he's not quite the guy that's absurdly dominant like the other four have shown glimpses of being if Rodriguez is able to go an extra inning every start I think he's one of the best pitchers in baseball me too um Phil is one of the best pitchers in baseball. I already sing Price uh, and Wright's praises. Porcello is really the only one who's just good. Like, the other ones are, like, either really good or great. Porcello, to me, is just good, which is a very good complaint to give, you know? Yeah, that's, like, that's not like our number five guy pitching like a number two, but he's our number five guy. Yeah. I, I somewhat agree with that. I still favor Porcello, but I definitely can give, like, I, I, I will accept any argument you give for any of these guys, and I will not chastise you for it because it's a viable argument. So, um, we're along the lines of pitching, this is actually going to be Dave's segment. Dave, this is all you. I want you to talk to me about Brandon Workman. Can you, can you talk to him, uh, talk to us about Brandon Workman, please? You have no idea how long I've waited for this segment. You have no idea. Um, so anyone who listens to this knows that every, every every now and again, whenever the subject came up about the bullpen, I just casually mention, not very casually, just say, Dropping you know, Brandon Workman is in AAA. Why is he not in the majors yet? Well, he finally got his chance, and he is shining. He is thriving. I told you all. I've been... Ever since the 2013 postseason, obviously that amazing run was great. The bullpen, like a lot of people remember Tozawa and Koji, and rightly so because those guys were unbelievable and they headed the bullpen. But a lot of people forget what Workman did when he was there. He had seven appearances, 8.2 innings pitched, didn't allow a single earned run. He was just as good as the other guys, albeit he didn't pitch quite as much. So people don't remember him. People don't remember his work as much. Um, and then, you know, he misses the two years with the Tommy John surgery. Everyone's wondering, can he come back? Can he be good? At, can he be good again? In 2017, the grand majority of the year, he was. A lot of people forget it because he ended the season on a rather sour note. But he was one of the better arms in a pretty stacked bullpen last year. 
especially early on. He wore down as the season went on, but the pitched in two and a half years. You kind of expected the end to not be as great. It was mostly fatigue. He's back up here. He's in big situations. And um, one of the only good series, um, you know, Hembry gave up the run. Barnes gave up the lead. But Kimbrell and Kelly weren't available, which means had, uh, had the game gone to nine innings and we still had the lead, Brandon Workman was going in for the save. So Alex Cora, to me, that's Alex Cora thinks Brandon Workman is probably the number three guy in the bullpen right now, and I wholeheartedly agree with that assessment. The guy is absolutely amazing when he has all his stuff going, and he's had all his stuff going pretty much every start, he, every appearance he's made. So if anyone's looking for that mid-season bullpen acquisition, we can still get another, but just pretend we for Brandon Workman, because you guys are going to be happy with what you got the rest of the year. Yep, Brandon Workman is in Boston now, and, he, and he's making the most of it. He's looking really, really, really good. But it, it's crazy to me, honestly, that Brandon Workman has been with the Red Sox since 2013. He might have uh, that was his rookie season. I think I could be wrong, but it, it's just it, it's it literally bewilders me that he's been with the team for so long. Like that's crazy. But anyway, uh, yeah, Brandon Workman, welcome. Oh, well, okay, actually, Dave. Dave, I have one more question on this Brandon Workman note. What do you think his chances are of being set down when Pomeranz or Thornburg returns? Do you think that's a potential possibility that he will get sent down? So I actually wrote an article about this one, too, because whenever Brandon Workman's in the news, I have to be on top of it. So um, I, understand. I did talk about, and this was after he made his third appearance, um, so I was definitely very ready for this, but... Um, the point I made is absolutely do not send Brandon Workman back down. He's too good. And all the, really, um, everything he's done since I wrote it helps to back that up. That he, yeah. But if, you know, all come back at once. You know, you can't get that just by sending guys back down to the minors. And honestly, I think the best option, like instead of sending Workman down, is to get rid of Henry. Henry uh, and Martin built a podcast. I'm going to talk crap about it. Hello. At this point, yes, yes, I, I agree. I think Brandon Workman. Yeah. So I think think they're going out a little bit in terms of Wi-Fi. So I don't know if you can hear either Dave or Jordan right now. Um, I think we lost them there for a second. But that actually is pretty much going to wrap up this uh, segment anyway. Um, basically, if you couldn't hear what Dave was saying, um, uh, I, I'm pretty sure he was going to say, hell no, Dave, Brandon Workman is Better than Palmer. No, Brandon Workman will stay in the majors, and Heath Hembury should be the guy to go. I, I think that's where Dave was heading. I, I don't know if he's Dave. You you here right now? I'm still here. Yep. Okay. Cool. He's he's returned. Yeah, we lost you there for a second, but yeah, it, I feel like that's. Oh no. Yeah, but it's okay. It's okay. It happens. We warned everybody in the beginning. Okay. Um, 
summary for everyone keep working he's the best yes that that's the <laughs> that's what i try to relay to everyone but yeah so that's actually going to conclude for our episode though um so the twins and red sox begin on tuesday and thursday in minnesota the first game will be at 8 15 p.m tomorrow and chris sale and jose barreos are going to be going at it the battle of the respective aces for both teams and then after this uh the red sox will have a very hard schedule i mean twins are eh, they're eh, they're meh they're not great they're not good. They're I don't even want to say they're average. They're they're pretty below average. But yeah, then they'll take on the Mariners, Angels, Yankees, and Nationals. That's their next four series. That is an incredibly hard slew of games. But there is a light at the end of the tunnel because after that, from July sixth to July thirtieth, this is true. Boston does not face a team that is present at presently five hundred or better. Literally for like three and a half weeks. They will be facing sub-500 teams. That's pretty incredible. Uh, Dave, do you have any last words you would like to say to everybody? Um, uh, guess not. Uh, we covered everything. I mean, it was a great day for me. I got to talk Raphael Devers and Brandon Lurkman. What more could a guy want? And David Price, too. Don't forget about that. You got to talk about Price. Those are your three guys right there. I, I did get to talk about Price. Yeah, I know. Workman Endeavors are your boys. Uh, Jordan, do you want to say anything before we go? You know what? I, uh, I no, no, well, <laughs> not just no, but uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm good, Pat. That's awesome. So we are all set. Um, so we'll probably be back Sunday. Maybe we'll do a midweek episode. We're still working with um, the technical difficulties that we're having. Um, hopefully it did not affect the quality of this podcast too much. Um, there was maybe a little bit in and out, but hopefully nothing too drastic for you guys. Hopefully we were able to deliver some exceptional Red Sox content. Um, as always, check out RedSoxUnfiltered.com. It's a pretty banging site with some really good writers and some really good analyst um and also check out the grueling truth network who feature us uh, and our podcast and our articles on their site so thank you guys for listening you can find this on soundcloud you can subscribe to us on itunes and we are even on spreaker youtube and iHeartRadio radio too um go red Sox. minnesota is gonna be uh it's not gonna be cold it's may but yeah usually it's cold there so go red Sox, and uh hopefully the red Sox could pick up some uh wins in the series have a great one guys